Hello and welcome to the Amateur Austenite. My name is Frances Duncan. I'm an author and the founder of the Jane Austen Society of New Zealand. And my very special guest with me today is my friend, Sean. Hello, everyone. And we're very excited because today we're starting talking about persuasion. So chapter one of persuasion. This is really, it's a real introduction, isn't it? This is a very much an introduction to the main characters and their circumstances. And it's set specifically in time. It, it's her last published book, and it was published posthumously. So this came out in 1817. Even though you've got bits of the Sandertons and everything like this, this could be last completed. the last completed edition. There's not so much levity in this, but certainly not with the main characters. Sir Walter Elliot is a hilarious character. Oh, he's just a... He's the, very much the character that is often in Italian opera, you know, the the doctor, the... Vanity is, is... Oh, it says, Vanity was the beginning and end of Sir Walter Elliot's character, Vanity of Person and of Situation. Absolutely. And then it goes on to detail exactly how that was. Mm. He considered the blessing of beauty as inferior only to the blessing of a baronetcy, and the Sir Walter Elliot, who united these gifts, was the constant object of his warmest respect and devotion. And he's talking about himself in the third person. I know. And I like his favourite book. Was the baronetcy. Was the baronetcy. And compared to his wife, who was sensible and amiable, he was referred to as a silly, conceited father. Oh, sorry, conceited, silly father. I did like the reference to his wife having, what was the word? Youthful that, infatuation. Yeah, might be pardoned for the youthful infatuation which made her Lady Elliot. Well, he was obviously a very attractive young man. You can see the appeal and then she married him. <laughs> there was nothing to him, no substance. And so you can kind of understand why Lady Russell then didn't marry him. There's no way Lady uh, Russell would have married him. She had her independence, and that's, mm. after all, what most women in those days were keen to get after they were widowed, if they had money. And she does. And She's she got money, money and rank. money, status, and everything. She doesn't need a husband. Um, we then go on to the other ch his children. We talk about Elizabeth, who succeeded to all that was possible of her mother's rights, and then... Mary and Anne, and Anne is referred to as she was only Anne. And Mary acquired a little artificial importance by marrying Charles Musgrove. But not real importance. No, because they were only a country family. She had merely connected herself with an old country family of respectability and large fortune and had therefore given all the honour and received none. As we know, as you read later, you learn more about Mary and she cares a lot about rank as well. Yes. Anne is so different from the rest of her family. They care so much more about rank than she does. I mean, Lady Russell refers about it was only an Anne she could fancy the mother to revive again. Now, did Anne take more after the mother in looks as well as the others took more after the father in looks? Well, they say Elizabeth definitely looked like yes. her father. And we get the introduction to the heir as well. Disreputable, how dare he not acknowledge the privilege of belonging Sir Walter's being Sir Walter's heir? He purchased independence by uniting himself to a rich woman of inferior birth. Sir Walter had resented it. And he's like, Oh, but we were seen together. So once at Tattersall's. Once at Tattersall's, which just as a horse fair. And twice in the lobby of the House of Commons. The lobby of the House of Commons, not even sitting together having a coffee or anything like that. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Sir Walter Elliot 
Jr., William Elliot, rather, he was an astute man, as we find, as we read further on. Mm. After the main chance, maybe, but still an astute. Well, his wife had more money and he could get his independence, otherwise he would have been under Sir Walter's thumb. Well, when they met him, of course, he was studying law, so mm. he was obviously not not landed at all or anything mm. at that point, not wealthy. Not trade, of course. No. But, no that would have been totally unforgivable. They wouldn't have wanted Elizabeth to marry him then. I feel a little bit for Elizabeth, because she is 29, and there's this quite depressing paragraph. Such were Elizabeth Elliot's sentiments and sensations. The sameness and the elegance, the prosperity and the nothingness, uneventful residence in a country circle to fill the vacancies which there are no habits of utility aboard, no talents or accomplishments for home to occupy. She is bored. Mm. She's bored. Everything is the same. It might be elegant, but there's nothing. Any of the good things she could be doing, she's basically handed, any of the duties which could occupy her, she's handed over to to Anne, basically. Mm. She only wants the items which have status. But I think the other thing which was telling was the book and the page which provides such comfort to Sir Walter Elliot provides her now with nothing but distress and she'll close it if she finds it open in the room. And she used to like it. And she used to like it when she was younger. There is hazards being the favourite child, depending upon the quality of the parenting you receive. You know, you can one can be very envious of a favourite child, but sometimes that's a disadvantage. And I think that in Elizabeth's case, that has proven to be her a disadvantage, because they also talks about she had a a couple of. No, it doesn't mention any possible suitors, but I suspect she would have had some because she was beautiful and she had a dowry. But she doesn't see anyone as her equal, even the other baronets. And the the silly thing is, baronet isn't a very elevated position. It moves on to talk about the um, financial difficulty that the family is in. Obviously, all the restraint and the discipline and the economy, the management was done by his wife. He lives to the standard of which he believes he deserves. Which is more than his income. Which is, But he's not prepared to do anything to improve his income. He is your epitome of the poor quality landed gentry, the landed gentry that within a generation or two will be out. They don't make the most of their land and they're not prepared to look outside of their own circle. But they won't actually look at what needs to be done to make an improvement. We hear about the lawyer, I think, Mr. Mr. Shepherd. He's just a worthless man. (laughs) He's all (laughs) glitter and no substance, isn't he? He turns to Elizabeth first off to ask, you know, what can we do? And they can't come up with any, any sort of plans. So we'll cut off some charities and yeah, we won't refurnish the drawing room. First option is to reduce the charitable. And then the happy thought of their taking no present down to Anne. Uh, I'm not sure why that's a happy thought. That's so nasty. And how much would that likely to have saved anyway? Probably not much. Probably marginally, because I can't imagine them ever actually giving much of worth to Anne. No. Well, they might. They might buy something gaudy and useless. (laughs) And then the chapter ends as an opening to the next chapter. They're inviting Mr. Russell, Mr. Mr. Shepherd, 
and Lady Russell to come and somehow magically fix their problems for them oh, because no. they can't fix them themselves. But I think this is, this is an unusual first chapter because it really, really sets the scenes for those main characters. Mm. So you, you meet very much Lady Kellich. Lady Elliot? Lady Elliot, who was obviously so formative for Anne, whereas Elizabeth was formed by her father. And poor Mary really was left up at left in the rear. And Mary, if you look at it, was the the last attempt at having a son. So she would have been a disappointment to her father particularly. You can see the the seeds of what Mary becomes, which is almost a pale imitation of Elizabeth. Because she doesn't have the beauty and the the confidence that so she tries to get that attention in another way. Mm. She's an interesting character when we meet her, oh, isn't she? Oh, she's so irritating. <laughs> <laughs> when you get on to the rest of the book, absolutely. I did find myself thinking of parallels with Cinderella, actually. Anne and Cinderella? Mm. I think they pulled that through very much in the uh, 2007 adaptation. It was 2007 or 2009? And they have her walking around the house, organising all of the move mm. single-handedly mm. while her sister and father go for a walk in the garden. You know, the father is the uh, is the evil stepmother and caring the two sisters who are constantly demanding attention from her because she has nothing to do. She's only Anne. She's only Anne. What, a, what an indictment. You can imagine that on the tombstone. It's only Anne lies here. Oh, well, I'm looking forward to getting into the rest of it. You do have to read them carefully. That's one of the things, is they're not... You do have to read the words, the sentences. They're not a skim read. Do you know what I mean? Some books you can you can speed read almost. Mm. I think there's a danger in trying to, to speed read Austen because you missed so many of the, the little... The, the jokes, the innuendos, the use of words which are very important within the sentences, you know, that you can, they are perfectly manicured to the text, to the story. And that is our summary of chapter one of Persuasion by Jane Austen. I actually remembered to say Persuasion. I thought I was going to say Pride of Prejudice. <laughs> yes, this will take some time. We will. My name is Frances Duncan. You can find me at francisduncanwrites.com and on Twitter at Francis underscore Duncan. Thank you for listening and we wish you happy reading. Just popping back in to let you guys know that we have merch now. I haven't actually got merch with my face on it. That seems a little weird to me. But if you really want it, let me know and I'll do that. There's merch of the Jane Austen Society of Aotearoa New Zealand's logo. uh, Some Jane Austen merch. And some Pride and Prejudice Heavily Pride Focus merch too. It's on Redbubble and the link is in the notes. Happy buying!